At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The Gist is brought to you by The Rachel Maddow Show on MSNBC. Watch Rachel as she breaks down the big headlines for the local threads that tie them all together. It's The Rachel Maddow Show, covering America one story at a time. Weeknights at 9 Eastern, only on MSNBC. And by ZipRecruiter. Hiring? Thanks to ZipRecruiter.com, you can post to more than 100 job sites with a single click and have the highest chance of finding that perfect candidate. Plus, be instantly matched to candidates from over 6 million resumes. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com gist. That's ZipRecruiter.com gist. The following podcast contains explicit language. <laughs> It's Friday, September 25th, 2015. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. A passing, a death to report on. A journalist and design expert named Phil Patton died. The headline of the Times obit is what grabbed me. Phil Patton, scrutinizer of the mundane. Ooh, I like that. In fact, I could be that. And now there's an opening, isn't there? Although Mr. Patton died Tuesday, the Times ran the obit in print in yesterday's edition, and I'm only mentioning it today, so maybe I'm not that great a scrutinizer. Anyway, to be a scrutinizer of the mundane, a professional scrutinizer of the mundane, I mean, that's a business card that would be a dream come true. Uh, excuse me, sir, I would say, if I were a scrutinizer of the mundane. Uh, you have a leave a penny, take a penny plate, but someone here has left a nickel. Seems to be in violation of the spirit of the plate. Hey, what's it to you, buddy? Actually, I'm a scrutinizer of the mundane. Oh, you even have a nice business card. What is that embossed? You noticed. We scrutinizers of the mundane appreciate that. I bet there was a time when Phil Patton, scrutinizer of the mundane, was out there saying to a friend, you know... I bet you that most kids who are the youngest of three children in their family, their two older siblings are of the same gender. I haven't done the math, but I think about it and I think that's true. Or maybe he was saying one day, Phil Patton, scrutinizer of the mundane, was saying, you know, in Young MC's Bust a Move, it says, your best friend Harry has a brother Larry and five days from now he's going to marry. He's hoping you can make it there if you can, because in the ceremony, you'll be the best man. All right. All right. Wait, wait, wait. What's Larry's relationship to you? He's not your best friend. We already established that's Harry. And he's not your brother. Again, that's Harry. What's Larry? And at this point, someone will say, excuse me, are you Phil Patton, scrutinizer of the mundane? Why, yes, ma'am, I am. I love your work. I'm just doing my job, ma'am. Well, Phil Patton was until Tuesday. But you know what? 
I was curious about Phil Patton, scrutinizer of the mundane, so I went to his blog. Good, good stuff. Let me read you one lead, okay? A camel is a horse designed by a committee, the saying goes, but a camel is a pretty good design for the desert and a better design than a horse. And this is a story about Jeeps, wherein he concludes, the lesson of the Jeep is that despite all proof to the contrary, committees can sometimes produce great designs. Bureaucrats can produce masterpieces such as the U.S. Constitution, say, or the USB computer port. It seems that Phil Patton actually was one of a kind. He was survived by a wife, two children, and a world of mundanity that clearly bears scrutiny. On the show today, are you a voter? Yes. Well, do you have values? Sure. Then I can assume you're a values voter. Wait, ho, ho, what'd I say? Well, anyway, that'll be my spiel. The Value Voters Summit, ranked by Gay Wedding Planner today, is the worst place to find someone to bake a cake for you. But first, she's a playwright, a screenwriter, and now a director. Leslie Headland invites you to go sleeping with other people. Every weeknight, MSNBC's Rachel Maddow breaks down the big headlines for the local threads that tie them all together. Sure, that's a lot of searching and it takes a lot of work, but even in a country this big, there are no local stories. Your life and what you see from your front porch, or in the case of many of us who don't have porches, our balcony, the street, what the doorman tells us, the F train. But what you see is directly connected to the national news. Watch Rachel as she connects the dots and covers America's news one story at a time. That's the Rachel Maddow Show, weeknights, 9 Eastern, only on MSNBC. Sleeping with other people. Your weekend plans? A bad idea? No, it's a new film. The director and writer is Leslie Headland. She's had an interesting career. She's a playwright. She wrote the update, I guess, of About Last Night, and now this movie starring Jason Sudeikis and Alison Brie as two people who lost their virginity to each other, then reconnect after 12 years is out. Of all the gin joints. Jake. Yes. It's been, what, 12 years? The guy I lost my virginity to was at my sex addicts meeting. Were you just in that meeting? Oh, yeah. Had to get out of there, though. It was making me super horny. <laughs> hey, I'm on Facebook. Weird thing to say out loud. Hey, Leslie, how are you? I'm really well. Thanks for having me. Okay, so what's the advice you would give? You know, in the movie, Alison Brie's character obviously is feeling this tension. She doesn't, but it's clear that she's in this bad relationship with the Adam Scott doctor character. Or a non-relationship, right. I would say. Yeah. So what she does is she goes abstinent because I guess either she figures cold turkey is the way we deal with all addictions and she's in this addiction program, or maybe it's because society gives you the message, hey, maybe you have been doing it wrong. But what would your advice be? Because it doesn't seem like abstinence is the right way. Just no, I think she's... The abstinence, the five. I think she's. Plan? I think she's a bit sexually anorexic. Lane's which is character. a phrase that Natasha Leone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Talks which about. is a phrase that I found out about doing my research on sex addiction and love addiction, and it was something when I heard it, I was like, oh, I really relate with that. Like, mm-hmm. I've definitely gone through periods of just like not dating and not having sex, which I don't think is a good idea. I think it's a good idea for Lainey because she has Jake as like a sort of anchor to the rest of the world, and she's getting her, she's sort of siphoning her emotional sustenance from that relationship. But I don't think that 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 cutting yourself off completely. The thing that I would pose to women, especially if you're hung up on a non-relationship, meaning like you're having sex with a guy who 
does not care about you, which I would say is probably 50% of women listening to this podcast right now. If they're not, you know, our demo. Yeah. 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 It's like (laughs) if it's not a commit, if you're not in a committed relationship, you're probably in a non relationship, which means you're texting and you're wondering what the texts mean. And then you're fucking and then you're going back to texting. You probably may not even like at least that was my experience in the dating world. It was either I was either in with somebody very, very clearly, like we were going out together as mm-hmm. a couple, or I was in a weird text sex, like having sex relationship where the emotional intimacy was completely not there. And I think that my suggestion would be like, where are you getting emotional intimacy in your life? And your girlfriends are not enough. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you, you like, are you having it with yourself? Are you having it with male friends? Are you having it with you know, a therapist or, a, you know, I don't know, any, a, a, you know, whatever it is that you pick up for yourself. I don't know if I really have any good advice, to be honest, now that I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> I just think it's funny because I feel like I was brought up with this sort of post-feminism wave of like, it's just a bodily function. Right. You know what I mean? Like, just right. have sex. Just get rid of the energy. I just don't, my personal experience is that that's not the case. Right. It could be gendered. It could be etiquette. But like, I just personally do not have sex without time traveling with somebody. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just, like, whether it's with myself and I really don't give a fuck about that person, that's totally possible. It's possible that, like, I'm having sex with them and I'm having sex with, like, a completely different person than they actually are. That Adam Scott at Alison Brie relationship is something that I was actually going through when I wrote the movie, was Mm -hmm. that I was actually separating myself from this person and sort of trying to figure it out. So maybe my advice is write a movie about it. Maybe that's (laughs) that's the best advice I can give, is, like, write a fucking... Yeah. television series and pitch it to Amazon or because even, movies are dead. If you so. want to cut out the middleman of the movie, just get Alison Brie to act out your problems. Or just get... That's, I that's mean, honestly, I gotta say, I was on set, we were shooting that sex scene between her and Adam Scott and I was thinking, this is a really elaborate way to work through heartbreak. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's like... Because it's almost like a porn shoot. Like, yeah. when you're as detailed as we were about everything with, like, the practicals coming on during it and, like, you know, like, all of it happening in basically one take and then... That was a set, so we're like flyaway walls are happening so that the camera can move and like all this stuff. And it's like, and I was just, I was a little bit like, this is a really weird way to deal with my shit. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know if this is really like socially responsible of me, but. Is this what you want, Elaine? Yes. I want it all the time. That's all I think about. If I appointed you goddess of the rom com, you could rewrite any of the rules. What would you keep and what would you throw out? I mean, to some extent, the movie is an exercise in that. Yeah, it's a little bit of an exercise in that. But I'd say, I'd say, um, one thing I'd love to get rid of is like the people in the rom-coms being the obstacles themselves. Meaning, like, you're just dating the wrong guy. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's different with Adam Scott's character in the film because I do, you know, first of all, he's played by Adam Scott, which helps, you know, like, so you have a lot of humanity there, even regardless of the script not having it. Yeah, even though he's kind of a sociopath. Even though he's kind of a sociopath. (laughs) Like, even that's sort of, like, lovely, you know, in and of itself. But I think when I see, like, the shrew, this guy just needs to get rid of, you know right. what I mean? And then he'd be okay. Like, or the woman's dating like a, you know, a macho guy who doesn't care about her, doesn't understand her job or like whatever it is. It's like the idea that like there are wrong people and right people. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. I think is, uh, is a, not right, only, right. is sort what, of a socially what's dangerous hard about, thing. What's hard about da- dating? The answer isn't bad people. Yes, exactly. Or maybe even if it is, that's not interesting By to write way, a movie about. The person, you, want to, you want to critique society, not like individuals who are bad. Yeah, I mean yeah. like, you 
know, something that I did say to someone recently, and I don't know if it was like in a press thing or if it was, I said, be the person you want to date. Mm-hmm. Don't look for that person. <laughs> be that fucking person. Well, now you're dating a woman. So exactly. That, so you exactly. I was like, I want to date like a powerful man who loves film and like does well in the world. Let me tell you, those guys are fucking dickheads. <laughs> like those guys are fucking assholes. So now I just became an asshole. <laughs> and now I'm dating a really nice chick, you know, uh, like so. Uh, so I do think that the rom-com sort of dangerously start sending the message to women and men if they watch them that like it's just about finding the right person. Yeah. It's just about finding someone who's going to warm up to your pot smoking. It's just about finding the guy that's going to understand that you love your job. You know what I mean? Like it's like the the expectation that our partners are going to ma- ma- be so malleable that they accept everything that we do. Yeah. I don't think that's what you actually want in a romantic And partner. that's why Alison Brie, she's not strong enough in herself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he really teaches her to love herself, which is yeah. as evidenced by the, the bottle, like, you know, of him showing her what a vagina looks like and all that kind of stuff. And on this podcast, unlike every other, we'll play a <laughs> clip of that. Oh, nice. The biggest misconception that guys have about the clitoris, uh, if they can find it, is that they're too nice to it. Okay, uh-huh. like it, that's the problem. I mean, you know, the trick is to be a little rude to the clitoris. Okay, oh, really? yeah, just go to town on this little motherfucker right here. You just mm-hmm. like you're just you know, so that's the dirty DJ. You know, like you're scratching a record. You know, just another great thing about this movie is a scene with an extremely funny person just being funny. So <laughs> Billy Eichner talking at a sex addicts meeting five lines yeah. and they just made me crazy. Here they here they are. I embrace my past. Yes, I did once call one of my neighbors in the middle of the day when he was at work and said, grab some condoms and meet me at that delicious soft pretzel place. Who cares? I did let someone put a protein bar up my ass once. Big deal. I did hack into my supermarket's Instagram account and posted a picture of my asshole and said there was a sale on asshole. And then said, come and lick my asshole if you're bald. You have these funny people, Sudeikis, SNL, yeah. Billy Eichner. How much do you say you go with it? I do it a lot. Yeah. I do it a lot, honestly. And I think it's like, you know, I think part uh, it helps that, you know, I just don't really have a lot of my ego wrapped up in my script. I have a lot of my ego wrapped up in my movie, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, like, I don't think that my joke's the best joke. I, re- I never have. I've always been very actor-based, even in theater. So, like... You know, I'll be cutting stuff because I'm like, you're, it, uh, you don't need to say that. You, you're doing it in your performance, you know. And so improv and comedy, I feel the same way. I'm just like, I know. would imagine audiences, given that I see what they watch, I know what I like, I know what people I know like, I watch HBO, would be totally unfazed by what some critics have called the raunch factor. And yet, still, the critics seem nonplussed by it. It's a little yeah, weird, right? It's a little real. Tw- 2015. You know what it is, too? Is you're that writing I think... for Rolling Stone. You're talking about the raunch factor? You're right. kidding me? It, which it, this yeah. film really doesn't have. I mean, it, it's really like, you know, it is like that Amy Schumer joke where she's like, you know, I think the reason I'm labeled as a sex comic is because I'm a woman. She was like, if I were a man, I think, I mean, Louis C.K. has sex with a beautiful woman on almost every episode of his show. Do you know what I mean? And no one at, talks about... It's all about what a beautiful meditation on failure and like when a woman writes about it or when Amy does what she does, it does become how raunchy. Louis gets the word maybe raunchy, but it's made the sixth adjective applied to him. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah, when yeah. a character like Louis is debased, we all assume that he's the author of that. Yes. When yes, it's yes, a female yes. character, we all feel a little protective of her and maybe if it's a Judd Apatow movie we should I mean I love Jab- Judd Apatow I don't want to you know call him out but when it's your movie no, we I shouldn't mean, <laughs> uh, you know 40 uh, year old virgin is like 
probably the best romantic comedy in the last 15 years. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, he's really, really a genius, you know, like, and really reinvented it in a way. It, once you had, there's something about Mary, the rom-com became so male-driven. And Abateau is really instrumental in being the person that injected heart back into that instead of just the comedy. I do think that I tried to make a movie about my own sort of emotional turmoil and my own loneliness and my inability to form a relationship with with another person. And it's been labeled a, a sex comedy, which I, I, I think is is fine. You know, I mean, I'm just happy to be here. You know, I'm. Ha- I like the podcast. You know, like, you know, like it's like I started listening. If it I gets was, you into our baffled, yeah, hot I mean, room, it's like you know, here it. we are. You know, like I was listening to. Um, I got turned on to you guys because I was obsessed with cereal and and the the please. Don't let this be a meditation on the nature of truth. And I was like, who is this guy? And I was like, you know, so I started listening after that. But I, I think that the more that I have the amazing opportunity of being a female filmmaker and being a female writer in this business, the more I realize that it is going the way of the video game industry, which is that the more you are not a white male, the more the harder it's becoming. I think the fact that every time <laughs> Kristen Wiig does a movie, it's considered a female comedy is possibly one of the worst things that could like you could call anything. Like, I, I, let me just put it this way. The number one comedy ever made that anyone, like if you ask anybody, is Tootsie, right? Mm-hmm. Like anybody would agree it's probably Tootsie. Yeah. Tootsie I think is on a, AFI's list, it was uh, Some Like It Hot Then Tootsie. Some right? Like It Hot yeah. Then Tootsie. Yeah. By the way, both those movies, those are female-centric movies. Yeah. If I pitched that right now, it would be a female-centric movie. Even if a man pitched that movie, it would still be considered a female-centric movie. Yeah, and to they call, go, okay, female-centric movie, okay, we could get Paul Feig to d- we direct. We could get Paul Feig to direct. <laughs> then, then it becomes so, you're just sidelined. And I said, I wrote this thing for The Hollywood Reporter when out about last night came out that I was like, anytime you do that, you're sidelining someone's success. Like, you're basically going, like, if it's not Easy Riders Raging Bulls, then this isn't a trend. It's a fad. Mm-hmm. It's something that happened that's weird, that's going to be its own little article on deadline, and that's it. Unless it's a bunch of white guys doing it, it's not considered a movement. It's not considered a cinematic movement. I mean, just watch, like, any uh, documentary on film ever. Like, there are no female filmmakers. There are no, you know, filmmakers of color. Like, it's just, it's so amazing that, like... We live in 2015 and, like, Viola Davis just won an Emmy. Like, that is just, like, mind-blowing to me. Like, it's amazing. It's amazing to be here and to be a part of it and just to know that, like, in my lifetime I will probably make no uh, significant movements forwards for women in film. Like, like nothing will happen. Like, I will continue to make the movies that I make. I will probably go to television because they don't want me there. Mm-hmm. I think it was 7% of the top... 250 films last year were directed by women and that will be this the percentage of that will be the same this year it will be the same next year it will be the same year after that i'm not sanguine but i would just say a couple things probably sandra day o'connor said all right when's the next female supreme court justice gonna be you know now there's three and it is profit driven so like eventually a capitalist might figure out Give the gigs to the best people, not just the best men. Yeah, maybe, maybe. maybe. Yeah. But it's also, I mean, how long has film been around? A hundred years? Mm-hmm. And that percentage hasn't changed. Being a filmmaker is just considered male in the same way that, like, you know, being a programmer is considered male. Like, the same way that, like, you know, sending men into battle is considered male. Like, it's just a... And anytime there is... A, the only thing that I would say to that is that anytime there... I, I also was 
firmly believed that before I made money. You know what I mean? Like I was like, I was like, well, I mean, if if I make money, then or if my stuff makes money, then I'll be rewarded. And it's like, no, 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 you'll be rewarded as a female. The guys that I went to NYU with and that have made maybe that are probably that I would say are my peers are directing Spider-Man, the Kong prequel. These are people I know personally. Uh, Winnie the Pooh. I have a pilot deal at Amazon. Do you know what I mean? Like, like not Amazon, but like, I mean, I just mean like, you know what I mean? Wait, like, do you mean, like, you mean their drone program? Oh, yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Their drone oh, program. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's kind of pilot. Me. Yeah. That's me. That's the non pilot deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, on the other hand, this is a really funny movie. You do great work. <laughs> and you could be cursed by having to make a conga prequel. Oh, God. Yeah, that could be the like, worst he's thing a that chimp? ever. Chimp? <laughs> what? I don't know. He's young. He's young. Leslie, I think we could probably talk forever. I, and I really enjoyed the this. People next to us could hear us without microphones. Yeah, that's true. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hi, your ring hiring? Well, let me tell you, if you are, you know that your company is only as good as the people who you hire. And there's really nothing worse than being short-staffed. Because staffing up with the right person, that's a headache. Sifting through so many resumes. Putting the resumes out there on so many job sites. Yes, the blessing and the curse of hiring now is that you could put it on the internet. Which site do you use? How about Almost all the sites, thanks to ZipRecruiter.com, you can post to over a hundred job sites with a single click. You write up your needs, do that single click. Okay, let's be honest. When you write up the needs, you're probably going to have to press return. You're probably going to have to think a little, go to the web, maybe cut and paste some really good description of a similar job you saw elsewhere. Fine. But I'm just saying the actual process where you tell the world, hey, we need a candidate, that's the single click. And it gives you the highest chance to have a perfect candidate. And you could be instantly matched to candidates from over 6 million resumes. They're going to winnow that down for you. It's an excellent tool. It's called ZipRecruiter. And because you listen to the gist, you can try it free at ZipRecruiter.com slash gist. I usually don't spell these out, and I'm going to spare you the W's, but Recruiter has a couple vowels in a row, so I'm going to do it for you. Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R dot com slash gist. G-I-S-T. And now the spiel, a summit that reaches a new low. Someone once said of the McDonald's breakfast burrito, those are three words I like perfectly well each on their own, but when put together, much less good. I feel similarly about the Values Voters Summit. I have values. I respect voters. I strive for the summit. But why does the Values Voters Summit bother me? I'm kidding. I know why. It's because of the bigotry, the rampant, rampant bigotry. So candidates Cruz, Santorum, Jindal, Huckabee, Graham, Carson, Rubio, and Trump will all speak. As you hear this, we'll have all spoken. Actually, Graham's going tomorrow. But after almost all of them speak today, and then Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North will be there to present the Value Voters Summit as sponsored by the Family Research Council Cost of Discipleship Award their Cost of Discipleship Award recipient this year 
Kim Davis, Rowan County clerk. Yes, Kim Davis, who refuses to grant gay marriage licenses. Other honorees, not the big honorees, but other honorees will include the bakers who would not sell a cake to the gay wedding. Oh, and also another Kentucky clerk who wouldn't give out marriage licenses because he's a freaking hero. But it is Kim Davis who is the top honoree, who is the most highly feted disciple. She has led when it comes to following. Following Marco Rubio's announcement at the Value Voters Summit, the crowd got a little raucous. Just a few minutes ago, Speaker Boehner announced that he will be resigning. The crowd was less cheerful when noted theologian Donald Trump jabbed Rubio. And you know, like you have this, this clown, Marco Rubio. I've been so nice to him. Uh, I've been so nice. I've been so nice. But the thing I noticed most about the Value Voter Summit, blinded though I was by the goodness, kindness, and fellowship to fellow man, the thing I noticed most was actually this guy. We want to see the job being done properly. We want to see... That was when Rubio was speaking. Jesus Christ, God made man. He was there for everyone. They retreat and refuse to fight. Couple of times for Trump. The deal is horrible. The deal is to their defense. Do we know that? Nobody. This is the born-again Christian version of the getting the whole guy from every golf tournament. They want to bring prayer back to the public square. He's the guy who's reintroducing yeah to the public square. He's Yang for Yahweh. By God, not, not by your government, not by the king. It was a revolutionary... But, you know, it really does depress me a little bit that all these politicians think they have to kowtow to the Kim Davis greatest disciple ever crowd. They think it because it's probably true. That's the depressing part. You know, I say, be as religious as you want to be. But when the only buffer between you and an award to Kim Davis is the student mixer, the clean Christian comedy stylings of Scott Wood, and a speech by Oliver North... I just despair. Politics and faith. And Marco Rubio said this well. They're far from incompatible, but they're too often in this country incomprehensible. Take Representative Dan Donovan. The Staten Island Republican has been in the House of Representatives for four months. He wasn't, he didn't have anything to do with the Values Voter Summit. But yesterday I was talking about Catholics. Catholics who are pro-life on abortion, but also pro-life on the death penalty, i.e. they're against it. And I did not mention Dan Donovan. Now, I still can't identify anyone in the House or Senate who actually follows church teachings on all of these things. Dan Lipinski's press officer has forwarded the question on to his pro-life boss. Are you for abolition of the death penalty? Assures me I'll get an answer someday. But back to Dan Donovan. Yesterday, Dan Donovan, after the Pope spoke in New York, he was on public radio station WNYC on The Brian Lehrer Show. And a listener to that show tweeted me and he said that Donovan said, Donovan's anti-abortion, he said that he was against the death penalty. Let's play that clip. I'm not a believer in the death penalty, uh, but... Uh, under our laws, there is a death penalty currently. And uh, I mean, it's an incredible thing when you think about government killing one of its own citizens, no matter how egregious the crime that they committed. So personally, I was against it. But in the situation I was put in uh, to uphold the law, um, I actually gave a case to the federal government in which an individual was sentenced to death. Which would be fine, except for when campaigning for the job five short months ago, he was in a debate against Democrat Vincent Gentile, and he answered the question this way. Oh, yes. Should the Boston Marathon bomber yes. get the death yes. penalty? Mr. Donovan. Yes. So he's one of those death penalty opponents who thinks that Jokar Sarnayev should be put to death. Look, I do accept there are nuances in the issue. I accept that you can say, 
I'm personally against the death penalty, but I realize there are cases where the law must allow for it. Except when exactly that argument is used by pro-choicers on the issue of abortion, no one on the other side calls them anything but baby killers. Can I get a yeah? Yeah, dessert will be served after Kim Davis gets her trophy. Don't worry, you will like the dessert. We didn't ask the anti-gay bakers to bake the cake. For some reason, their cakes are just terrible. That's it for today's show. Andrea Salenzi argues that while Drops of Jupiter may be their best-known song, Cab, from their fourth studio release entitled For Me It's You, is actually the superior song because she is a scrutinizer of the band Train. Andy Bowers looks to see the animal's hindquarters, that they're strong, broad, muscular, and well-angulated with well-let-down hocks, and that the plane of the skull and the plane of the muzzle are straight and parallel to another because he is a scrutinizer of Great Danes. The Gist Live is happening on Tuesday. Now, since this podcast will last you through the weekend, I fear that there may be no more tickets left. So you have to act now. Go to slate.com slash NYC gist to see guest Samantha B, musical guest. You'll find out then. It's a good musical guest. And Maria Konnikova and Harry Enten and Adam Davidson and a story from Matt Dix. And is this bullshit from Maria Konnikova? It's going to be a great time. But perhaps all I'm doing is whetting your appetite for tickets that do not exist. So go to slate.com slash NYC gist. The gist Here's my ranking. The King of Jordan, Shrimp, the President's middle name, Beef, and the former Iraqi strongman, lastly, Chicken, because I am both a scrutinizer of Lomain and Hussein. The gist, um, Peru, de Peru, du Peru, and thanks for listening.